Here it is. Again. And it's cold. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act. They'll just boggle your mind. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey, everybody. I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the June-July 1978 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of new wave, punk, and post-punk, 1976 to 1986. Uh, this episode, we've got uh, a fun playlist for you guys. It, we, we're we're kind of going back to some bands that uh, we've touched on before, and we're going to be seeing some new bands. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy it. The, we're going to go ahead and kick it off, though, with a little bit of music from the Boomtown Rats. This is Can't Stop. I am not a huge Boomtown Rats fan, uh, but I kind of love this song. This is my, right now, this is my favorite Boomtown Rats song. Um, I There's something about it, the energy, and it's just, this song has just been kicking around my head for like the last week. Um, this is off of their second album called a tonic for the troops which we're going to talk about in detail in a couple of minutes but first rob let's just stop and take a breath and just chit chat here for a second um i gotta tell you i am still coming off last episode the <laughs> the uh the the manchester episode yeah yeah. I'm still flying high from Man, that. I, you know I what? what an awesome, awesome episode. Yeah, yeah. I have to admit, I am still loving it myself. I think I've listened to the recording of that episode four times now. You know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it was so refreshing to have to hear a different voice, the sound of it, a different voice between besides you or I. Um, <laughs> And something we didn't mention last episode that I think is uh, important to note, uh, what we heard, what aired, was actually our second recording of that episode. So the, right. the first... Uh, the first attempt, we just had all kinds of problems, technical issues, and it just, it wasn't working. And boy, Richard, he just stepped up. Um, 
and he was he 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 was just so lovely and generous with his time to do it twice. Not only did he do it twice, yeah. but um because he was in England, both times it was like two thirty in the morning for him when yeah. he recorded. So he definitely gets the April uh, MVP award uh, for this podcast for sure. Yeah, no doubt. You know, he he came in at two thirty in the morning to do this podcast the first time, and with all our technical difficulties and such, it went like I think we were an hour and. It might have been like an hour and a half over what we normally do. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the second time around, he came in again at 2.30 in the morning to do it. And, uh, you know, it was crisp and clean and it was just beautiful. And, uh, I mean, it's like you said, it's nice to hear somebody else's voice. Plus, he's very knowledgeable <laughs> and had great stories. Yeah. Yeah, and what a what a what an absolute stand-up guy. Um, he really is. Yeah. I I I really look forward to having having him on again. Um, you know, well, probably won't happen this season because we're kind of booked for this season. But um, you know, sometime in the not too distant future. So okay, so let's talk about this episode um, a little bit. This playlist is a weird playlist. I, I can't. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head ar- around it. It's it's not bad, um, but it's it's got this weird energy to it. It's <laughs> yeah. uh, it almost feels oppressive to me well one thing i noticed about it was i've got bands on here that i really like and then bands on here that i'm only lukewarm about and what surprised me is is that in some cases there were songs that i thought i'd love that i didn't really care for and songs that i didn't think i'd care for that i absolutely loved it i don't know i'm just really confused by it (laughs) (laughs) okay so before we jump into it let's um Let's talk a little bit about what was going on in the the first two thirds of summer of 1978, shall we? Yeah, sure. Uh, the movies of note were Grease, Animal House, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band, Piranha, and Midnight Express. The number one songs here in the United States were Shadow Dancing by Andy Gibbs. Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty, Miss You by the Rolling Stones, Three Times a Lady by the Commodores, Grease by Frankie Valley, and Boogie Oogie Oogie by A Taste of Honey. Yeah. <laughs> Debuting TV, Taxi, Mork and Mindy, Battlestar Galactica, and WRKP in Cincinnati. Um, as far as significant events, um, Max Robinson is the was the first black anchor on a U.S. network newscast that was ABC, and Jimmy Carter hosts e- the uh, Egypt Israel peace conference at Camp David, and the last known person um, dies of smallpox. Wow. I thought you were going to say Jimmy Carter hosted Saturday Night Live. That would be the biggest thing in 1978. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, um, let's circle back to a tonic for the troops. This is Boomtown Rat's second album. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I like it a little bit better than their uh, debut album. Didn't care for their debut album at all, so that's um, faint praise. Uh, the song that we heard at the top of the show, Can't Stop, is by far my favorite song off the album. How are you, how are you feeling? Do, do you like this better than their debut? Do you think this is an improvement? So the Boomtown Rats is a band that I'm actually a fan of, and um, I don't really care for this album. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's okay. I, I don't, you know, it's, it's not my favorite. Um, and I... I, I don't know that I like it. I wouldn't say I like it better than the, the last one. Um, but there are some songs on here I really like. Uh, the one that, you, that we played at the beginning of the show, that was probably my favorite song as well. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there, and there's a couple others that I, I kind of dig. Yeah, I, I think the only... I think there were two songs that I was already familiar with. Rat Trap, which was... A uh, pretty big hit for them in the UK. It hit yeah. number one on the singles chart. Um, and then uh, I'm blanking out on the exact name of the title, but something like looking out for number one or right, right. something very close to that. Or wait a minute. That might have been off of their first album. That was album. off the other album. <laughs> okay. All right. So so maybe Rat Trap was was the, the only song that I was familiar with going into this album. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't think that I'm ever going to be crazy about the Boomtown Rats. I, I like their stuff a little more, I like their stuff a little more later on. But Yeah, so that is, um, the Boomtown Rats' second album, A Tonic for the Troops. So, Rob, we're, format-wise for this episode, we're going to try something a little bit different. Okay. So you know how in the past we have waited until we've talked about all of the albums before we uh, speculate about whether or not they should be contenders for the end of the season best of 1978 list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's try and shake things up and try doing it, um, you know, at the end of discussing the album before we move on to the next one. Okay. So, uh, the Boomtown Rats, their second album, A Tonic for the Truth. Yeah, Should yeah. it be in consideration for one of the best albums of 1978? What do you think? Um, boy, I, I hate to say this, but I'm going to have to say no. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I mean, yeah. I, there is a chance that there are a lot of Boomtown Rats fans out there, but it's there's no way that it's going to make my list. And um, my sense is that, you know, if the Boomtown Rats have a real chance of making a best of the end of year list, mm-hmm. it's going to be for The Fine Art of Surfacing, which I believe is their next album. But yeah. So so we'll see. I I don't think it's a real contender, but what do I know? Well, like I, you know, I am a Boomtown Rats fan, and and I still don't think this one will this one will make it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there are some diehards out there though. Okay, so let's move on to an album that I think has a real chance of of making it on to the end of the year best of list. That's Devo's debut album, Are We Not Men, We Are Devo. 
that's actually not the real title. The real title is Q. Are we not men? A. We are Devo. Explanation point. (laughs) I really enjoyed this album. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I was a Devo fan, but I've always loved Devo. And going into this album that we're touching on right now was... It, it, it was kind of refreshing and a long time coming. So I, I am really looking forward to hear what you have to say about it. I was familiar with Devo since I was a little kid, you know, when Whippet uh, got on the radio. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Devo was not on either of our lists of favorite new wave bands. Um, right. And I am really looking forward to getting to know their their catalog as an adult because I, I think what happened with me and Devo was was something that was really unfair, which was I learned about Devo when I was a little kid and I loved Whip It. So I got um over the next several years, I got um two or three of their albums. So I got um uh, Freedom of Choice, which is the one that Whippet is on. And I got this one, their debut. But I really wanted more Whippet, you know? And so yeah. I just didn't care for those two albums other than Whippet. And I think I just kind of wrote them off. And then uh-huh. as an adult, just never circled back and really, I mean, I heard their stuff. Um, but I never really gave them a chance. So my hope, like best case scenario, at the very end of this whole series, the very end of the podcast, when we circle back and redo our best new wave bands, my hope is that I will love Devo and Devo will make an appearance on there because they really seem like they're up my alley. And I, th- I, I yeah. just don't yeah, think that they, are. I gave them a, ever gave them a fair shake. Having said that, I'm not super crazy about this album. I, lo- I love <laughs> the sound and they sound, they don't sound like any other music that we've heard up until now chronologically. So uh, big thumbs up uh, on that level. But, but the songwriting, I don't find terribly compelling. Um, how, how, how about you? Well, you know, I kind of am in the same place as you, where I was as a kid really excited about Devo, and it had to do with with their sound, and it had to do with the colorful costumes and, you know, their video presence. Um, and I remember when Whippet came out, and I was, I was all about it. Um, and, and, of course, you know, they, I kind of tuned them out over the years as I grew up. Um, listening to them now, what really gets me about Devo is is like their own personal history. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, the name of the band, where it came from, why they named this album, what they named it. You know, it's I I I don't know. I have kind of a a newfound um, respect and admiration for the band. Yeah, you know? um, and it helped me enjoy this album a lot. 
Well, you know, the the big surprise for me on this album, even though I had it as a kid, you know, as a kid, I had no sense of punk rock or new wave or anything. I just like, I mean, you know, I got them about the same time I got Jay Giles band, you know, so that's like, I was all over the place. I was just like, hear a catchy song on the radio, get it, get the album, either click with it or don't. I was really surprised at how punk this album is. I mean, for Devo, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. this is much more, the sound is much more punk than I was expecting. And I really appreciate that part of it. So let's um, let's listen to a song. Um, do you mind if we play my pick first? No, go for it. Okay, this is a song called Gut Feeling. that you were going to choose gut feeling um <laughs> and uh, it i think the reason why i thought you were going to pick it because i was actually going to pick it as well <laughs> and and i thought wait a minute uh something tells me joseph's going to love this song or at least like it a lot so um but i i enjoyed it yeah well it takes a while to get going so i would i would love it even more if it's um you know, kind of got to the point a little quicker, but once it really gets going and once they get the, once the vocals jump in and the groove is going, I love it. Um, it is, it is by far, well, actually I really like uncontrollable urge as well. Um, I, I just felt like that might, that's probably the most obvious song off of this album and we should dig a little deeper couple of notes about this album. This album was produced by Brian Eno um, with David Bowie popping in on the weekends to help out. David Bowie uh, really liked Devo and wanted to produce their debut album. They didn't even have a record label, uh, a, a deal, a record deal when they recorded this. So Brian Eno was actually pain to fly them over to record um so they uh, both um iggy pop and david bowie were big early champions of of devo so you know what i i found interesting when i was doing some research on on devo is that apparently brian eno had kind of given them all of these elements that he wanted in their music and apparently each of their songs, he had, this is what I want you to do with this song. This is what I want you to do with that song. And they didn't really feel that they were all, like, they didn't really like those, those uh, you know, additions that, you know, wanted to throw in there. 
So apparently the elements that he wanted them to have only got used on three of their songs. And then when David Bowie came in on the weekends to do the producing, he'd be like, this is great, this is great, let's throw these two out. And only one of their songs ended up using the elements that Brian Eno wanted them to use on all of their songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. I find that fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what song did you pick? I picked Come Back Johnny, and I, I love the sound of it. Um, it's ultimately not the sound of Devo that I really loved as a kid, but uh, I, I dig the energy behind it. I hate to say it, but I think this is my least favorite song off of this album um, pro- <laughs> for probably the exact reasons that you mentioned as far as yeah. it is, it it's not Devo. It sounds like it, it sounds a little too retrospective um, mm-hmm. and... And this is this is unfair to unload on a song, but me personally, I I dislike anything that is like too referential to like fifties rock, and so uh, yeah, right. any song where the protagonist is named Johnny, I it just bugs me. I mean the only song that I can think of off the top of my head where that refers to a Johnny that I actually like is Oingo Boingo's Only a Lad. Uh, but otherwise, uh-huh. there, there's something about just using the, the name Johnny that is just off-putting to me. Well, that's, that's neither here nor there. That's my own personal little quirk, <laughs> but, you know. Okay, so Devo's debut album, Are We Not Men, We Are Devo. I think yeah. um, I think that it is a seventy-five percent chance that it's going to show up on the best of seventy-eight list. What do you think? Yeah, I I think it's got a really good chance. Um, you know, people know Devo. There are huge Devo fans out there, and um, this is Devo's debut album. They're going to want to put them on the list. I can, I can. Guarantee. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that um, it should definitely be in consideration. Me personally, I don't think it should be con- considered because because of the quality of the song so much as just like mm-hmm. here is a new sound. I mean, talk right. about pioneers. You know, they are. They are giving us something really fresh and new sounding. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it is It is not an album that sh- that can or should be ignored. I agree on that. There's, you know, and I don't know, this might be one of those episodes because I think there's a couple bands in here that have a fresh new sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. Devo might be in company with somebody else on this, yeah, on this yeah. playlist. All right, let's move on to Peter Gabriel's 
second album called Peter Gabriel, also known as Peter Gabriel 2, also known as Peter Gabriel Scratch. <laughs> um, before we go on, can I just say I love the way Peter Gabriel names his albums. I really think that somebody goes out with a camera, takes a picture of something, and he's like, okay, that's what we'll call it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um. So at some point we're going to do a deep dive on Peter Gabriel and I've yeah. heard all of his albums over the years, but he's like this, the albums that he put out after, um, so I haven't listened to in a long time, so I can't say for certain, but I'm pretty sure that this is my least favorite Peter Gabriel album. I don't get this album at all. I, I, I mean, it it sounds even, I mean, it does not sound like a follow-up to his first album. You know, it sounds like it should have been like his first album and then his first album was his second album. You know, it's, it, it's, to me, it sounds like a step backwards. And I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get what he's going for. I don't, I really don't care for any of these songs. I mean, it is neither fish nor fowl. Uh, I, I read a review of this album called, um, and the reviewer called it post-progressive. Mm -hmm. Whatever the yeah. fuck that is, you know, it's like, it, it's, what is this album? Yeah, well, this album is also probably, well, I wouldn't, it, it's not one of my favorites either. Um, and it's a totally, I, I don't knock somebody from having a totally different style between albums. Um, but but I I just feel like this album is, to me, not punk. It's not new wave. It's it's Peter Gabriel. You know. So yeah, but the weird thing is, it doesn't really have a style. It is like it, it's yeah, like right. a black hole of of <laughs> musical style. It's just sort of there. I, I mean, I'm sure that I'm gonna get negative death vibes from certain people who just absolutely <laughs> love this album. I'm just at a loss as to what well, the fuck is going on. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you on that. And and people are going to love an album. They're going to love an album for one of two reasons. One, because it's Peter Gabriel and they have to love the album. Or two, because they really connect with the sound of the album. And uh, you and I, my friend, just do not connect with the sound of this album. No, no. It was it was tough uh, picking a song. Um, but, but I think we both agree that Animal Magic has some nice moments to it. <laughs> totally. Slide off hand. You're joining the professionals. I wanna 
Magic is, to me, I think it's a really nice song, but um, I still kind of feel like it's a song that I would hear on uh, like a classic rock station or, you know, it's it's just kind of, I don't know, it's just it's just not the sound I'm looking for in a playlist like this one, really. Yeah, yeah, and it is it is hard to believe that the next album he puts out is one of my all-time favorite albums. I mean, I, I'm so excited about the pivot that he's he's about to make. Well, that's the Peter Gabriel we love, right? Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Okay, so Peter Gabriel's second album, simply called Peter Gabriel, often referred to as Scratch. Um, I would be bummed if it made the top ten. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, top top ten punk or new wave albums i don't you know if 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 he hadn't released all of these albums afterwards you know we wouldn't even be talking about this album because it really doesn't the musically it doesn't really qualify in either of those categories but and peter gabriel's a really he's a really uh great person you know besides all of his music i think that he's you know He's he's an ex, ex, an exceptional human being. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I think he had a lot to grow the uh, grow on though when he when he cut his second album. Yeah. So super excited about moving on to the next album. Me too. We gave everybody a little taste of it at the end of the last episode. This is magazine's debut album called Real Life. This, of course, is. Um, the brainchild of Howard DeVoto, who helped found um, the Buzzcocks, but after their first EP, decided he wanted to go in a different direction, so he formed Magazine. Is Magazine uh, a band that you are particularly familiar with? Not not particularly familiar with. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, I've heard a song or two here and there. Um, or at least I've heard clips of songs. I I knew of magazine, and I knew that uh, that there were people who really dug them. So, but uh, stepping into this album, I man, I dig it. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. So I w- I was familiar with one or two songs by magazine that I found a little bland, but I think that they were songs that they did like in the mid to late eighties. So it was a whole different, whole different vibe. But here, I mean, they've got belly fire. This is so of all of the albums that we've listened to chronologically up to this point. um, I feel like this is the most goth album we've heard. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not (laughs) goth per se, but it has, it has all of the elements in there. I mean, it's very poppy, but a lot of goth is very poppy, and it just, it just feels like one of the grandfathers of goth music. Um, yeah, I have to agree with that. Yeah, I love this album. I love, love, love this album. Um, there is a very good chance is going to make my top 10 we'll just have to see uh so let's listen to a song let's listen to your choice first what did you pick 
right, so uh, I picked first. Once you had this promise on the tip of your tongue, but it went without saying, it went on too long. All the straws you clutched at a person of I cannot express how unsurprised I was that you picked this song. <laughs> okay. You you really? you really like those like drudgy, grindy sort of songs. Um, I, I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's a uh, th- so this is this is probably the gothiest of the songs off of this album. I, I wasn't even thinking that, but you you might be right. The song that we heard. At the end of last show, um, Tulpa uh, is probably my favorite because it's just a really interesting combination of pop and post-punk um, that that works really well. But I also really like uh, Definitive Gaze. another good it's another good magazine song i have to say i'm i'm really digging this album and i i think you know you kind of kind of made fun of me for picking the gothiest song on the album but the lyrics on this album i think are amazing oh yeah across the board Uh, i mean this is this is not this is not a guy that just like whips up any old thing lyric wise. I mean, he, he has got something to say and I really also really appreciate about it is the lyrically it is, there is substance to it, but he's very in his delivery. He's very sort of understated. So he doesn't pound you over the head with his message, which I, I really appreciate. I think that's the mark of a, 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 just absolute master uh, lyricist. So, yeah, for sure. Kudos to him. So it sounds like we both think that that magazine's debut album, Real Life, should be a serious contender uh, for a best of seventy eight list. Yeah, yeah. It's still early for me to say that um, they're definitely going to be on there, but. I'm feeling like it's likely. <laughs> yeah, I and I got to say I am 
cooling just a little bit because I've been listening to this album for like the last month since we had last month off. I was right. just kind of, right. uh, you know, uh, working ahead. And the first week that I discovered it, I'm like, oh, top five, easy for me. And now I'm going probably in my top 10. So I'm cooling a little bit. But we'll just, we'll see. I, I think I was so hot on it when I discovered it um, that, yeah. that maybe I went a little overboard and my expectations were a little too high when I came back to it. But um, definitely uh, uh, an album of note, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to the Rosellos. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, this is actually a band that Richard mentioned in just briefly in passing last episode when we were talking about the Manchester scene. So apparently they played um, in Manchester a lot, but they were from Scotland, I think he said, right? Right, yeah. So where where are you at? This is their um, one and only studio album called Can't Stand the Rosillos. Uh, where are you at with this? I really enjoy the Rosillos. And they're, they're a band that I used to play a bit on my radio show for MWR. Um, one of the really big things I like about them is that they have two main vocalists. They swap back and forth between male and female vocalists. And I think the female vocalist has like some killer energy. Yeah. This is a band that I was not familiar with at all. Like, I don't think I'd ever even heard of them. And I, I did a little research on them before I listened to this album. So I was really excited because they were, you know, they are referred to in the same breath as like the cramps and the B-52s. And so I, I was like, oh man, I am going to dig this. What a disappointment. I was so disappointed oh. with this. I, this is just not clicking for me at all. And I think you can guess what my biggest gripe about it is, right? Um, what is it? It it is just too referential to fifties and sixties <laughs> rock. Yeah. You know? And they totally are. And yeah, they totally are. And the, the, the songwriting is not distinct to me. It's like one song blends into another. Uh they're 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 very good musicians and the energy level is high but yet i find them very boring um i i the it's just yeah. it's just a band that does is not clicking for me at all um you know who they actually remind me of more than the b-52s is they really remind me of um the sugar cubes like uh -huh. the dynamic yeah. between the 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 males, male vocals and female vocals, totally the sugar cubes. I, right. I haven't had a chance to go back and look at the sugar cubes and see what their influences were, but like the, the energy, uh, particularly with the male vocalists and the, the mm -hmm. way that the male, the two vocalists play off of each other, uh, real, I wouldn't be surprised if this band wasn't like a huge reference point for the sugar cubes when they started out. Yeah. And I love the sugar cubes. So yeah, totally. 
I do too. I've got an interesting tidbit for okay. you. Okay. So you know how you said this is their they're pretty much their only studio album. They split up like, I don't know, four months after the release of this album. Mm-hmm. And Joe Callis went on to join the from from the Rosillos, went on to join um uh, several unsuccessful bands before he jumped in to join one of my favorite bands, the Human League. Yeah, um, yeah, I I did fact, know that. Mm-hmm. He went on he went on to write some of their biggest hits, including "Don't You Want Me." Yeah, you know, I was actually half expecting earlier when you were talking about this band for you to. Uh, to pull out the dueling banjos of punk. Yeah, the dueling, ba- <laughs> the dueling banjos of punk rock and new wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I kind of see what you're saying as far as why you're not a, why it was a little disappointment to you. Yeah. But I gotta say, I do think that the Rosellos were kind of one of the pioneers of of the new wave sound. I think this album, this this album is kind of, I think it demonstrates. Uh, an interesting spot in both punk and new wave sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sure, it kind of pokes back to the 1950s, early 60s rock yeah. and roll. But uh, Well, yeah, I, I, don't know. I don't disagree with everything that you said. I absolutely agree with yeah. all of that. It's just I don't find them compelling for whatever reason. Right. Uh, so uh, what song did you pick? Uh, it, to me, it was to me actually. This was pretty easy. Um, I picked uh, "Bad Guy Reaction," and the reason I picked it because I felt like this song itself was the one that most demonstrated that fine line between between punk rock and new wave. Out in the streets, in every town, everybody keeps moving. Me down and down from early morning till late at night. Nobody gonna give me. I cannot tell you how disappointed I was that you picked this song. Oh, no. Because <laughs> my, my plan was I just wasn't going to pick a song. But you picked a song that everything that we said about the dynamics about the male and female vocals, you picked a song with no female vocals. <laughs> Right. So we have to play another song because this is their only album. So so to to give a fair representation about what this band is about, um, I felt like we absolutely had to have a second song. So I I picked a second song Um, before we hear that. I just want to say. This song, the song that we just heard, mm-hmm. how did they not get sued by the uh, the guy who wrote um, Ballroom Blitz? <laughs> I I just don't know. <laughs> this is like this sounds like it's just a dead ripoff of Ballroom Blitz to me. Yeah, well, back in the day, man, they were a little more uh, lax on their. Uh... <laughs> You know, people were people were ripping everybody off all the time, and I think a lot of people got away with it. 
Um, I have one more note that I wrote down uh, the first time that I listened to this album. And it just, just says simply, lead male singer Popeye? <laughs> because he really sounds like Popeye in a, a couple of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> so um the other the other song we're going to listen to tonight that i picked out to just kind of balance things out um is their most famous song called top of the pops this was a pretty big hit in the uk um i just th this was a uh, i mean this was just a whiff for me i didn't I just didn't feel like I wanted to go back and listen to all their songs and pick out like a good one that, that, uh, so I just bailed on my pick and picked the obvious song, which is Top of the Pops. So the Rosillos, one and only studio album called Can't Stand the Rosillos. It's not going to make my top 10 list. Um, what about you? Um, you know, I enjoyed the band a lot. I liked a handful of their songs. Um, I would really be surprised if I don't find 10 other bands I like better than them before yeah. we get to the, you know, the end of the year. Yeah. I, I do think that, you know, anyone who's playing along at home and serious about their, the responsibility that we've placed in their hands, um, should check this album out. Um, it is, oh dear, it is yeah. not a, uh, sort of like third tier wannabe kind of a band they are pioneers um just i i just don't think that they really figured out how to make compelling songs individual songs they, they and, yeah. and that well that might be demonstrated also by the fact that they they have a handful of 1960s covers yeah um, yeah you know. too many too many as far as i'm too concerned many. Right, let's move on to um, our next album. Now, this is, uh, I'm, I'm just going to point it out right now before I forget, because I think this is kind of important. This is um, one of the first albums that we've discussed where we don't actually know the release date. I think this, th this might be the third album that we've talked about in the rundowns where... We know the year that it was released, but we don't know the month. Um, and that's the Tom Robinson Band, um, uh, their debut album called Power of Darkness. Yeah. Last season, 
I spent a lot of time talking about the stinky toys and I never mentioned that we didn't know the month that it was released. So I can't remember when we, I think we talked about it in this, in the December episode or the, the, the fall episode rather. Um, And it was a derelict of duty for me to not point out that, that it could have been released earlier in the year. I I think that also for um, suicide commandos, that's the third one that we've talked about where we didn't actually know the release month, but but we covered that. So uh, I'm yeah. going to try and be a lot more diligent moving forward to always note when there's uncertainty about the month that it was released. Okay, so let's actually talk about the album. Um, yeah. This is, so Rob, when you and I sat down to talk about doing a podcast, I presented with you a long list of bands that were going mm-hmm. to be bands that that I thought were appropriate to cover. And you looked through it and you you noted a few that I had just missed. And this was mm-hmm. one of them. This was a band I had yeah. never heard of before. What is your and and I think it was just kind of off the top of your head. So this is a band that is yeah. on your radar. So, so I played uh, TRB, some call them, uh, the Tom Robinson Band, um, on my radio show for MWR. But also, uh, I just know a lot of Tom Robinson's work. Um, he he's a huge activist. Um, he, uh, you know, he's like this. This is, I mean, it's total punk rock. This is like the raising your fist and saying, "Damn the man." He uh, he's always been active. Um, for with Amnesty International, he organized and led Rock Against Racism, um, and uh, let's see, Peter Peter Tatchell's Outrage, which basically is a, a British lesbian and gay rights uh, act, act, active group, and he, you know, he worked with them until 2011. So I knew a lot of his his activism, mm-hmm. um, as well as some of the music. But I'm I'm a fan. So I'm going to push back a little bit on you uh, categorizing him as a punk rocker. Um, okay. Not narratively. I, I mean, I love his his lyrics and where and what's important to him lyrically and where his focus yeah. is. But the music to me is, um, you know, kind of flirting with some punk rock elements but i am going to read you a list of bands and these were just bands that as i was listening to the album the first time when i heard elements of a band i just wrote down the band because there is a lot so i first and foremost i hear a lot of the who in this first album Uh, yeah i in certain songs i hear the eagles um, one song is like has heavy Santana vibes. Um, I hear a lot of Joe Cocker. I hear a lot of Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. I hear Rolling Stones and I hear The Clash. Um, yeah. Now, I think all of that is is fine. Um, and those are all good bands. But you know kind of where I sit as as far as my preferences um, to, mm-hmm. to punk and new wave bands. 
looking forward rather than looking back. This is this sounds more like blue collar pub rock to me than it does punk, although there are definitely punk elements in a lot yeah, of the songs yeah. for sure. Now having said that, this I there is I cannot fault this album at all. This is a nearly impeccable album. I just wish that I liked this type of music better, but man, the songwriting is good. Um, yeah. It is, it is so, it, there are, it sounds like a lot of different bands, but it is not like overly cliche. It still sounds fresh and, and energetic. And like I said before, I, I love where he's at lyrically. I mean, one of the first bands that we've heard so far to like openly reference like gay rights issues, which is, yeah, which was kind of unheard of back then for like a major label artist. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have a tremendous amount of respect uh, for this band and for this album. I just wish that he had, you know, he had gone for it a little bit more and it wasn't, you know, so kind of middle of the road Rocky. Yeah. No, I get, I get, I get you there. I get you there. So let's, uh, let's listen to my pick first, if you don't mind. This is a song no, called better decide which side you're on all you downtrodden people always bear the brunt just sit back on your back back side till you have to face the front wait till the bullet balls get you don't make no kind of sense pretty soon it's gonna be no room for sitting on Now it's funny that you chose better pick which side you're on because it kind of uh, it kind of sounded like that was where you were going with your description of how how well you like the album. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> where does this album sit? Yeah, really? and it, it it feels very sort of like um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was thinking the Clash when he wrote yeah. this song. Well, he, there was there was definitely a lot of who and clash uh influence um in the in the music. So mm -hmm. and that, that's for sure. Now, now um, I am making yeah. an an assumption um and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I am assuming that this is this is named the Tom Robinson band because it is Tom Robinson's show that he is the absolutely the the front man he's the songwriter he's the lyricist he's the one driving the band is the, is that a fair yeah. assumption to yeah. make that is that is the truth yeah it's his band <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the song I picked for this album um, giving my appreciation of his political activism uh, I picked a, a political activist song I chose ain't gonna take it <laughs> Prejudice, poison, polluting this land. 
yeah, I really like this song as well. Um, it is, it's, we've already listened to my favorite, but I, I would say like half of these songs I really like, despite the fact that I probably shouldn't just given my taste. Yeah. So, so tremendous, tremendous amount of respect to Tom Robinson for um, making me like his songs more than I want to. <laughs> that that was my agenda all along. <laughs> yeah, um, I haven't listened to his there. Well, this band, I I think they only released two albums. So we'll we'll get to the second album later on but um i'm pretty sure that their most famous song is off of the next album so i'm looking forward to that i have no idea what it is i've just noticed that one of the songs off of the second album is the one that like is top of the like spotify songs and get and, and, and yeah. is like the name of the compilation and all of that so I, I i am looking forward to hearing and i'm hoping that i hear it and go oh yeah yeah i know this song so that'll be fun um i think that this should be in consideration for for top 10 um won't be on mine but i will um I will be pleased if it makes the top 10. I mean, uh, he, yeah. it's definitely worthy. Right. I'm happy to hear you yeah. say that. Uh, where, where are you at? Is it, you, you think it's I'm, a contender? I, I think, I think that it's likely, I think it's a contender. Um, again, I'm still kind of, I'm kind of thinking it's a little early to see where it's going to fit in, but uh, I could see it squeezing into the mm-hmm. you know the, the the top half of my my top 10 list cool that is tom robinson band the excuse me the tom robinson band uh with their debut album called power in the darkness talking heads released their yeah. second album called more songs about building and food uh, the big hit off of this, actually their first top 30 hit here in the United States was a cover of um, Take Me to the River, which is a pretty good cover tune. It's a fantastic They, cover, they yeah. bring their own thing to it, but are respectful yeah. of the original songwriting. Um, I like it a lot. Um, this is Rolling Stone's 380. 83rd greatest album of all time. It was produced by Brian Eno. So I think of of, of my three favorite albums released in the first two thirds of the summer of 78, Brian Eno um, produced two of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I made a comment uh, to somebody the other day that while researching this, that I'm not crazy about Brian Eno's work with David Bowie, mm-hmm. uh, the the albums that he produced for mm-hmm. David Bowie, but I'm liking the stuff that he produced in 1978. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Well, okay, uh, so where are you at with this album, just in general? Um, you know, I like, 
I, I like the album okay. I enjoy it. I like, um, of course, the big song that everybody knows is, is Take Me to the River, which is, you know, it's always been a favorite song, even when Al Green did it. Um, but as far as, well, as far, I, I, out of what we've ch- looked at so far tonight, I'd say it's probably in my top three. Mm-hmm. Well, I was hoping that the same thing that happened with their first album would happen with their second album as far as me just Uh, clicking like I had never clicked before. Didn't happen. I I find this album pretty disappointing considering uh, uh, how awesome their first album was. Uh, and, And I think the key to the weakness of this album is right in the title. It's the first word. It's more. This just yeah. sounds like more of the same from the first album, but just it they feel like leftovers, you know? It doesn't have mm-hmm. um it doesn't have the energy or the delightful quirkiness of the first album, but yet they haven't found a real satisfying direction to go in instead. Um so this is kind of a, eh, it's, it's like my third favorite album released in June and July. Um, but I think that says more about just how unenthusiastic I am about a lot of these albums than it <laughs> about does the other albums, right. about um, uh, Talking Heads' uh, second album. Let's listen to... Um, well, let's listen to two of their songs. I think it's it's good enough to to feature both of our picks. Um, Great. My pick is the good thing. is the most interesting sonically the most interesting song off of this album with the possible exception of take me to the river um because i i I really do like their take on you know soul music that i i think that Mm -hmm. at the time it was a real fresh angle to come in on a song like that but but this song sonically, particularly with the vocals in some of the chorus parts, um, really pops out to me. Um, I 
I don't know that the songwriting is, is extraordinary or anything, but um, this is this is probably my favorite song off of this album. Nice. Well, it's definitely a good song. I enjoy that one as well. Um, I love when I can hear their influences. I mean, I, I know that we talk about, you know, this band doesn't sound punk, this band doesn't sound new wave, this band sounds like it's 1950s rock and roll. Um, but when the Talking Heads does, when they do uh, funk or, or R&B, it's, they do it well, you know. Mm-hmm. They, their take on it is really good and and they've done quite a few songs like that so mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's 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 a good song actually uh, in my mind quite a few of the songs on this album are good mm-hmm. so you picked warning sign what uh and i i like this song just fine i think it actually pops up on a number of compilations so this is a song that the talking heads think highly of um, and I like it, but what is what what in particular appeals to you about it? Well, so I'm really familiar with this song anyway. But one one thing I really like about it is the uh, the use of the effects that they're they're using on David Byrne's microphone. Like there's just some funky sounds coming out of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, it just it's I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, so uh, I doubt it's going to make my top 10 list, but I'm guessing that it might make an appearance on the overall list. I think it should definitely be in consideration. Um, Mm -hmm. Where are you at? Well, we definitely have some Talking Heads fans Mm -hmm. out there um, that are listeners. And I'm I'm a fan, but again, I, I don't quite think this is going to make my top 10 yeah it just doesn't it doesn't feel fresh to me it 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 sounds like an echo of the first album and knowing what's coming down the pike you know it's it's hard for me to take this album too seriously but but it's 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 a nice little diamond in the rough Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have one more album to discuss that was released in June and July of 1978. That is by The Dead Boys. Um, and our mini dive is on The Dead Boys. So the album that was released, it was their second and final studio album. I mean, studio album of original content. And the reason why I'm clarifying that, we'll, we'll get to in a second. <laughs> 
So I think that of all of the bands that we've done, either a deep dive or a mini dive of, this is the band that both of us are the most lukewarm about. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I because I, yeah. every other band that, w- that we've discussed, um, at least one of us has been pretty gung-ho about. And I, I guess I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but as far as just judging from your reaction and our discussions that we've had about the first <laughs> album, um, you're neither of us are particularly crazy about this band. Well, one thing, I I wondered if maybe you could uh, sense my apprehension about choosing uh, Dead Boy songs for this uh, yeah. episode in my text, yeah. where you're like, hey, why don't you choose some Dead Boy songs? And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Dead Boys. Um, they are They are definitely worthy of... Um, setting aside a little bit of time to talk about because of the role that they they play in the early punk movement. They are considered one of the most um, rambunctious and violent and kind of extreme um, of the early punk bands. That is kind of their claim to fame. So if we were to... This is going to be so weird. But if if we were to cast members of the Sex Pistols with punk bands, right? Which is a thing <laughs> that people do all the time. Uh, let's, sure. uh, so um, Johnny Rotten would be like a, a Richard Hell, right? Or... Um, What's a what's another early punk band that might be a good Johnny Rotten? Do you, do you have any idea where I'm going with this, or are you just completely lost? I'm I'm, I'm hanging in there. Okay. I, I think okay, I so do. let's let's say let's say Johnny Rotten is uh, the Richard Hell is the Johnny Rotten of punk bands, and gotcha. then yeah. um. For Steve Jones, we would say maybe The Clash, right? You know, a little bit more like down to earth and and um, with an emphasis on musicianship and all of that. And, mm-hmm. um, but when it comes to Sid Vicious, the Dead Boys would <laughs> yeah. be Sid Vicious. Yeah, you know, I get you. Absolutely. and so I feel about them the same way I feel about Sid Vicious. It's like uh, a very interesting um, has that they have sort of anti charisma, which is a sort of charisma in itself. Um, it's yeah. all attitude. Um, I am completely unimpressed with their musicianship, although they're not incompetent. Um, right. Total, really unimpressed with their lyrics. Don't care for the lyrics at all. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with the Dead Boys. Here here are some kind of like the, the basic facts about the Dead Boys. They were from Cleveland, Ohio, 
the the original formation was 1976 to 1979 and then down the road they kept getting back together um for little stints of time and then breaking up and then getting back together um they released two studio albums and then when they reformed I believe in the early 90s, they released a third studio album, which was just new takes on um, their first album. Um, the band members, the uh, the founding band members were um, Steve, Steve Baders, uh, the vocalist, guitarist Cheetah Chrome, guitarist Jimmy Zero, bassist Jeff Magnum and drummer Johnny Blitz. The Dead Boys kind of emerged out of a band called Rocket from the Tombs. Um, it's a little unclear to me exactly how many of the, of the band members came from Rocket of the Tombs, but I think um, the majority of them uh, uh, went on to form the Dead Boys. Um, they were, so we talked last episode when we were talking about the Manchester scene and we were talking about, um, Tony, I always blank out on his last name, the guy who, who ran, um, factory records in the Hacienda, how he had his pet band, um, yeah. in the Durati column. Well, this band, Dead Boys, were um, Hilly Crystal, who who uh, ran uh, CBGBs. Oh, yeah. Hilly Crystal really took them under his wing, and and uh, thought that that he was going to take them to uh, stardom. It didn't really turn out that way, but. Um, Okay, um, more facts. Um, the 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 drummer uh, Johnny Blitz was once stabbed in the chest seventeen times. Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> Here are the top five songs on Spotify for the Dead Boys, uh, four of which are off of their first album. So number one is Sonic Reducer. Number two is All This and More. Number three is Ain't It Fun. Number four is What Love Is. And number five is Caught with the Meat in Your Mouth. Um, Charming. Yeah. That's nice. So yeah. we've already talked about their debut album called Young, Loud, and Snotty. Uh, it was released in... Um, uh, October of 1977. We've heard a song off of that album. I can't remember what it was. Um, let's <laughs> listen to their most famous song called um, Sonic Reducer. I don't need any woe. Don't need no mom and dad. Don't need no food advice. Don't need no human rights. Sonic 
I kind of feel like this band, even though they want to be punk, they're not too punk to me. I mean, they don't sound punk to me. They don't feel punk to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They feel like uh, some rowdy drunks in a pub, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and I'm probably being too harsh on them, but, but that's just how I feel about it. Yeah, well, I picked the this song, Sonic Reducer, and I... I was in the exact same place as when I picked the Rosillo song. It's like, I don't get yeah. this band, so I'll just defer to what the fans love, and this is by far the yeah. most famous song. Now, it should be noted that this album, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, at least one person had it on their top five list of 1977, this this nice. album, Young, Loud, and Snotty. I think it was just one right. person. But um, so so it obviously, well, obviously every album that we're, we talk about has its fans. But um, at least one listener out there um, really likes this album. It's, uh, I just don't think it's really our cup of tea. Uh, yeah. Yeah, not not mine either. Yeah. So the second album they they release, which is in June of nineteen seventy eight, is called "We Have Come for Your Children." Um, they're going for a whole different thing on this album. They're they're trying to. I'm not quite sure what they're trying to do, but there's a lot more <laughs> sort of like hard rock, heavy metal cliches going on um, mm. in this. Do you do you like this album better than the first one or not? I I do like this one better than the first. Album. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I, that, I, that isn't to say that I like this album a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I I think I kind of prefer the first album a little bit more um, because this is more like Alice Cooper-ish, which I think is much more down your alley than it is mine. Um, But uh, the song I picked is a song called Son of Sam. It is not punk at all, but I, I thought it had some good sonics to it. I think that we need to make a resolution right here and now that let's, let's resolve that this is the low point for our dives that, that this is (laughs) no, in the future, we won't do another dive that is as lackluster as this one. Because I, I, I'm, I'm happy to make that I, resolution. Yeah. I feel like we're just like uh, we are not. 
we we are being irresponsible because this is this is a band that has many many fans and um mm-hmm. and i i feel like they should be represented i i just don't feel like either of us have it in us yeah. to to, yeah. to do that um and, so, and that's that's not to say that their fans that their fans are are wrong and enjoying them. That's you. It's just our taste. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right. Going out on a real high note there. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> okay, we have um, a deep dive coming up. And what is the band that this month's deep dive is going to be on? So our deep dive this month is going to be on Devo, and I'm looking forward to it. I I am very excited about this. I'm I'm really hoping I turn the corner on Devo to like from like to love. I feel like I'm so close to just absolutely clicking with them. Next month, we are tackling August and September of 1978. There's um, a lot of great albums and a lot of pretty famous albums. A couple of more obscure albums. So we are going to go out on a song from one of the more obscure albums. So nice. if you can identify this band, then you are bona fide something, a bona fide ace. Let's yeah, let's say that you're a bona fide ace when it comes to 1978 <laughs> punk rock and new wave cuz this is this is going to be a deep cut. Everybody keep your eyes open for Devo. Prepare yourself. Put on your crash helmets and your your safety pads because uh, that's coming up next in two weeks. We will talk to you then. See ya.